My guest is Brian Cox. Brian Cox is a scientist, a broadcaster and professor of particle physics at the University of Manchester. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you. Right, I thought we're going to start, if we may, by talking about a topic which is extremely topical at the moment, which is the uh, European Union's research and development programme, Horizon Europe. So could you start, first of all, by explaining what is, what is Horizon Europe and why is it so important from your point of view? Well, it's one of the world's um, largest and most successful uh, funding, science funding um, programmes. It's, it's a collaboration across Europe and elsewhere, actually. So, for example, I believe New Zealand are just about to, 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 to join. Um, so, it's, uh, it's to, for my mind, if, if you believe, as I do, I don't even want to use the word believe, actually. It is true that <laughs> science is one of the most important things that we do right. globally as a world. And Horizon Europe is one of the most important funding frameworks in the world. Therefore, from my perspective, it follows. It's one of the most important things that we do as a civilization. And, and over the years, um, from a UK perspective, we've been extremely successful at attracting money from Horizon from the Horizon funds, and also, and, and this is the key point, it's not, it's not about competition between countries. Uh, programs like Horizon are there to encourage collaboration, and, and that's vitally important. Science is a global pursuit. It's, it, it is for the benefit of everybody. Uh, it is, you know, I, I don't want to overdo it, but I'm going to overdo it. It is one of the necessary foundations of our civilization. Um, th and that's how important it is. So, so it's more than just getting a, a slice of the 100 billion or 95 billion euro uh, budget. Oh, it's more than Far that. more. I mean, the, I, I just, the, about a month ago, actually, there was a letter. And th this is how important it is. It's kind of unprecedented, I think. It was a letter to the Times in the UK. But it was from the presidents of the National Academies of Italy, France, Germany, and the UK, and also three Nobel laureates. So, and it, it, it's about as blunt as it gets, and it finishes, it's, it's one paragraph, and it finishes, the sooner the UK fully rejoins the EU's international research programmes, the better for everyone, full stop. That's true. That's unarguable. So, well, so I, I think, yeah, that, that I, I don't want to... I don't think you can overemphasize that the strength of feeling in the scientific community, not only in the UK, but across Europe, because we built collaborative networks between universities and individuals across Europe and beyond right. for, for decades. And they are the foundation on which new knowledge is generated. And the, the, the disruption of it has been universally derided in the scientific community. There's no good can come of it. And as that letter says, and you can't ignore, the, the, these are the, the scientific academies of these major scientific nations. What, the, what, we, therefore, we need, to be, we need to be back in it now as soon as possible. Now the diplomatic problems have been resolved elsewhere. Well, to be fair to the British government, if they were here, they'd probably be quite keen to, to point out that unlike other areas of cooperation in the past which have not been forthcoming like foreign security policy or even the Erasmus program where the UK was was not interested historically post-Brexit in any kind of cooperation with the EU when it came to Horizon Europe correct me if I'm wrong the UK was keen to be part to carry on being part of Horizon Europe uh, and it was the European Union in this case who were playing hardball and and using it as leverage to in order to secure a uh, resolution of the Northern Ireland Protocol do you agree with that analysis um 
All I would say is now that's been resolved. Right. In we go. Right. And therefore, <laughs> and the government should have no stop. second thoughts. But it's true, there's been, I think you're alluding very discreetly to more recent press speculation that uh, the Prime Minister might be having so not so much second thoughts, but looking at the fine print of uh, re entry into Horizon Europe. Is that correct? Well, you know, I, I suppose that the, there are always negotiations at this level. But, but I would emphasize that we're not really. Science is. It's a collaborative global pursuit, and what scientists need to do is collaborate. And it's not just to the benefit of UK universities. It would be wrong to think right. this is just kind of some way of getting extra money, and you can replace that money some other way. Uh, really, what people are interested in is those collaborations, because that's how new knowledge is generated. That's how innovation um, proceeds. So, so I think it's much more important than right. than. I mean, you know. Horizon, in some form, will be there. Uh, I, I'm almost quoting, I'm almost going back to this, in this clip in my mind. It's probably inappropriate to say, but I'll say it anyway. Do you remember <laughs> that famous Robin Day interview? Was it with John Selwyn Gummer? Right. Where he said to him, you, if I dare, he's very polite, Robin Day. He says, <laughs> if I may say, you are a here today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> but the, and, and he, I think it was John Selwyn, but whoever it was just stood up and walks off and said, I'm not being insulted like this. But actually, the thing is, and it's a really serious point, that these collaborations uh, and uh, the, the big scientific collaborations are decadal long, they're, they're, they're 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40. They're, they're huge collaborations because they have to be. When, when you're talking about not only, um, which is not in, our, in Horizon, but of course, the, the big projects like CERN, but also the big quantum computing initiatives we've been talking about today, those things. Um, vaccine development, all those things. These things are, are huge, long-term collaborative efforts. And you can't, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll be naive, I'll be happily naive. <laughs> we really do not want the, the tides of politics right. to be disrupting those kinds of collaborations because it's in nobody's interest. It just means that the science gets done more slowly and less efficiently. Well, it's it's forced uh, or required people like yourself and uh, Sir Adrian Smith, head of the Royal Society, to become uh, lobbyists, right, and putting pressure on the government. Is that a kind of role that you find yourself taking to quite quite easily, or was it quite strange to add that to your long list of of activities, lobbyist no, of the government? I'm, I'm perfectly happy to apply pressure. <laughs> where I, well, because if you think, I mean, it's often, it's interesting actually. I mean, you know, we we know each other a bit. You know, you know that on on Twitter and, and social media, then people, whoever it is. You'll get, well, can't you just stick to, yeah, in my case, you, it sticks yeah. to looking at the stars or something. It's like, yeah, I'm a citizen of the country, right? I, I have other interests other than just stars, right. right? I have interests, I have children, I'm interested in the schools and the infrastructure and the general well-being of the country and my continent and the world, obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> and not necessarily in that order, <laughs> right? <laughs> but so, therefore, it seems to me that um, when something is... Uh, you f firmly believe something, and I think it's not only about belief in this case. It's it's unanimous mm. if you look across the, the the piece. It's unanimously accepted that scientific collaboration should, as far as is possible, not be disrupted by you know political tides and so on. And then I think you have to. What what what's the the alternative? The alternative is for no scientist to say anything. That's what we say. Yeah. That's the other. <laughs> extreme. But then how do people know? Yeah. Now how would how would people know that their taxpayers' money is being put to good use if we don't go out and explain what that use is? 
and and indeed not necessarily make the case but just at least explain the value of, of this program well it's obviously a topical topic as you know because uh, Gary Lineker recently has been taken to task by the BBC hierarchy now it's, there's a resolution to that slight uh, contretemps whereby is there a resolution <laughs> <laughs> has it been resolved <laughs> well, is it the story's like, gone <laughs> is he back on match of the day there and on Saturday uh, but well seriously it's true the extent to which you you like uh, Gary Lineker have a profile on the BBC that's not so that's a fact not just a belief it's a fact you are a BBC TV personality with, uh, with programmes with high uh, viewership uh, and therefore the requirement of the BBC guidelines were, were claiming that people like yourself certainly Gary Lineker in this case should not uh, do politics how do you react to that? Well they, d they don't quite say that and, and here, here lies part of the problem um, it, it, so I'm a, a scientist first and so I'm at the University of Manchester the Royal Society I, I am the Royal Society Professor for Public Engagement in Science so the, the BBC are one of the organisations I work with um, and, 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 you know, part of the time. It's actually a small part of my time. Um, so I think that that's understood. And the really um, my interaction with the guidelines, and I haven't really had any because I... <laughs> but my interaction with them is, is, is that they're, they're written in some ways to, to protect you as a as a as a high profile individual and also to give you some guidance i think which is quite useful on on how to function on social media because we all get carried away at times on social media and uh, and so so you know some of some of the real advice relates to not personally attacking people for example right not only members of the public but politicians yeah you know how how do you have a civil discourse online so there's no I think um, th there's no desire or requirement to prevent someone like me from speaking about science policy or advocating for joining Horizon, <laughs> or some rejoining for Horizon, for example. <laughs> and why should there be? It would be counterproductive. Um, so, so in general, I think all organisations face this. Um, I mean, you know, some organisations are presumably quite heavy-handed. The BBC actually aren't. But what they really want to do is... Um, make sure that debate and discourse is civil I think that's that should be the aim I mean it's clearly not the case unless you really are uh, I suppose a, a news presenter someone who really does need to be an interviewer who mm. needs to be impartial uh, in public I, I think there's no desire or you know <laughs> the right. idea that, that people will not have opinions but I think there are you know the, 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 it's reasonable to say well how should you as, as, a, as a public figure and someone who is associated with not only, by the way, it's the same with any employee, the University of Manchester or the Royal right. Society. How do you how do you conduct debate in a civil way? Right. But since the the Brexit referendum in 2016, you have been regularly quite outspoken, certainly on social media, about about the the outcome and the repercussions of the of the vote mm. seven years ago now. And obviously, science has been maybe what your major preoccupation for obvious reasons and arise in Europe, but also things like free movement of people. So you have been quite regularly. I've been tracking you. We follow each other on Twitter. <laughs> uh, regularly put, putting out tweets about uh, basically saying Brexit is not a good idea, is not working, and we should rethink it. No. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> what am I supposed to say? <laughs> so, yes, I agree. And so far, nobody in the BBC has said, thou shalt not do that. Well, they won't. It depends how you say it, yeah. of course. If you, 
if you say as you put it and I try you know and, and I've learned you know over, over the years you know I, when I started on Twitter back in 2008 I think it was or something you know it was, it, it was a rather different world and people were finding their way in social media and so I suppose I've grown up a bit and um and learned that really I think we should be concerned as a society about the level of vitriol which prevents mm, reasonable debate, debates yeah, and yeah. civilized debate you know the, the you know the civilized well it's not even it's not even it's, it's not even it's more than desirable if you think about yeah. what a what a democracy is it's a, it's a it's an attempt it's the best way that we have found of, of running a society in which there are people with different views and that's to be celebrated isn't it because what's the alternative imagine a society where everybody has the same view Right. That would be the worst kind of totalitarianism, wouldn't it? Um, I think so, so. So I think the fact that there are people who felt that um, leaving the European Union was the best thing for Britain, and the people that didn't—that that all that what that tells you is that you live in a, a free society yeah. in a democracy, where there are people with different who weigh views, different yeah. things. And it, it is it, it, ultimately to me when I look at it, it, it seems to me it's how you weigh different advantages and disadvantages. So if you if you tend to weigh you know, parliamentary sovereignty above most other things, mm. which is a legitimate position, yeah. then Brexit looks like a good idea, even though it might be difficult to make work, I suppose. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the right analysis, but there we are. So, right. so, so what, what I should try, what I aspire to do, and, and you know, you then you can probably <laughs> scroll through my social media app, which I intentionally leave there, by the way, because right. I think it's a, a record of the way that I've been thinking. Um, and you could find out when, you know, what I've said, things that are probably rather intemperate, and I'll probably phrase them differently now. But I still believe the fundamental position, as you just outlined it, <laughs> which is that I think it was a mistake. I think it's not working very well uh, for many reasons. And I think we, and I actually do think we will begin to, move slow, more slowly back into being more fully integrated with our continent right. because that's one thing you can't change we, we can't whatever we want we can't move continent geography is geography right well let's in this last part of the chat brian uh, move away at least try to move away from some of the politics and into maybe just the the, the science base of the united kingdom the government is often criticized for being a bit hubristic and saying world leading this world beating that but it is more than the belief as you would say it's a fact that the uk science space even with brexit is is uh, is very much admired outside the uk and needs obviously needs protection how would you uh, describe now the state of british science uh, even in this post brexit world in the uk well i mean we, we've talked about horizon so that yeah. that's essential um and then i i think what we are in the UK is uh, probably we, we're probably underfunded and overachieving, right. and that we, we're very efficient. Another way to say that, in a positive way, is we're very efficient. Right. So, Productive, yeah, productivity. And, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the the efficiency, if you look at it, really is is coming from things like the the the, the universities, which are obviously some of the best in the world, hmm. measurably so, and the institutions that we have. I mean, uh, you know, the Royal Society, but uh, for example, the mm. oldest scientific institution. So there's a great, there's a heritage, there's a history, there's an infrastructure that's there, and it's it's, it's an infrastructure in, in in people and expertise and experience as well as physical structures, and, and so that that's why we we're good. What I do tend to say to 
politicians is that it's quite easy therefore to coast because there's a lot of inertia mm. in the UK scientific system because it is for good granted, yeah. uh, but if you underfund it and you you know make it more difficult for us to collaborate internationally for example with the people we want to collaborate with by the way because that's the way it works it's not you can't just suddenly start collaborating with somebody else because somebody in government thinks it's a better idea you know you, you collaborate with who you want to collaborate with that's how science works and and so if you chip away then it's e it, it's easy to damage and it's i would say it's impossible to replace uh, because if it was easy to build a scientific ecosystem, it, it, the the scientific ecosystem that Britain has, mm. then everybody would do it, right? Mm. But it's not easy. You see, big countries with very large budgets are unable to replicate the success of our system because it's really hard. But it's quite easy to damage, so, so but or damage via a thousand cuts, right? Essentially, right? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe almost the last question that we come to the end of our chat is kind of this almost a, not just the state of science but the status of science by that i mean how young people uh schooled kids as well as undergraduates and postgrads uh thinking now about science in terms of the pickup uh not so long ago science was seen as too difficult only for nerds but now in the old days rock stars were the rock stars then maybe comedians were the rock stars and now it seems to me that quite a few scientists are the, the new rock yeah. stars well, uh, we, 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 yes yeah, deep people like stephen hawking for example so it's not totally modern phenomena right? Right. Uh, and going back actually in time so people Humphrey Davy yeah. um, for example um, Faraday the Christmas lectures they were rock stars and rightly so I sometimes think actually that you know I look back at there's a great book by Richard Holmes called The Age of Wonder which is a terrific book about that time through through Joseph Banks and then right. through so 17 late 1700s through and uh, you know I look at those those people and the way they thought about science the romantic the romantic age of science and i think i've got a lot in common with with that right. view yeah so, so, so i i like that idea of of um the fact that the acquisition of new knowledge is first of all in, in and of itself a good thing but also it's the it's the the royal road to progress i think that's well on true. this royal road to progress let me the final question then are you how optimistic are you about a future for science in, in especially in the uk with or without participation in horizon the young people taking up science not not, not so much taking it seriously but taking it up as a course of study a direction of study uh, young young girls taking it up more and more how and given your role as a kind of an ambassador for the royal society basically for for public outreach and public diplomacy on science how how optimistic are you about the future well I, i'm i'm optimistic in the sense that for the reasons i've just outlined we, we have this unparalleled heritage uh, and, and and it works and so our universities are great and they're great places to go um the, the uh, things like horizon though and i would i would go further erasmus that those things are important and uh so i think if i was attempting to make science even more attractive yeah. then i would make sure that those possibilities the, that that idea that you can uh, you can go and you can go to study in i did i did my phd in germany mm. Um, it was a wonderful experience, an mm. international laboratory. I learned a tremendous amount. I collaborated with people here in Belgium and, in, and, and across Europe and indeed across the world as a result of that. So, so that, those are the things. They're easy things to do. 
And I, I really don't, um, I don't want political ideology here today, gone tomorrow, <laughs> ideology to get in the way of that wonderful, precious thing that we're extremely good at. And also remember, I, I said to someone today here in Brussels, actually, there was a question about um, making, you know, I, I say it myself, make the UK the best place in the world to do science, which is, when you think about it, really what we're trying to do is is elevate everywhere, or, or certainly on our continent. We want our continent to be a scientific power. Yeah. Well, it has to be because we're 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 competing. Uh, we're collaborating as well, but competing with China, for example. Mm. Very large investment in science, becoming more successful, and so there's a there's a competition there. And indeed, the United States uh, uh, would like to attract the best talent. And and if you look at something like Horizon. This is the rationale for Europe, isn't it? You've got a load of a group of very uh, a prosperous, well-developed uh, education systems scattered across the continent, but on their own, they're rather small. Right. Even you know the bigger countries are rather small, yeah. but together, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we we can be the the. Uh, uh, one of the, the the great drivers of this endeavor and the reason i just i'm careful with my language also is because i want every you know ultimately we're a global civilization and we face global challenges uh, and the idea that you can that, that one even one block hmm. like europe or the us or china or india can or south america can, can solve for example the climate challenge on each other it's nonsense right. of course because it's a global challenge yeah um so so i think ultimately we have to we have to work together but at the moment the best you can do is make sure that these large collaborating blocks work together well we have to leave it there brian cox thank you very much for your time thank you